Each week in this series, we've been addressing what we have, def- we have called a sacred cow. And what a sacred cow is, is, is a common tradition, uh, a thought, a saying, or, or a belief that, that we are challenging in, in this. And um, we're making some strong statements in this series against some things that, that I grew up believing. That when I went to ministry school and Bible school, I was taught. And what I taught for several years until I realized that I began to divide the scripture and look and see God in a new way. But there has been, and I believe it was unintentional, but, but generational dilutions of the truth. Over time and over time. And a diluted truth is a polluted truth, and a polluted truth is no truth at all. We have to get to the point where the truth is important. In Adventure Community Church, we speak the language of truth, okay? Because there's too much at risk for, for faulty teaching. Too much, at, too much at risk to be lazy about communicating the truth. But the true ultimate goal of this series, I would say, and I said this several weeks and we're going to say it again, would be to embrace, say embrace, and express, say express, the pure grace of God. Well, you can stop now. It's untainted. It's undiluted. And how do you know if it's the pure grace of God? The pure grace of God always points to him and not us. It always points to the Father and never points to us. So when we grasp that, when we receive, say receive. A new perception, say perception. And appreciation, say appreciation. That's all I'm going to do. Of God's grace. Something new happens. So we got to move today because... We've, we've spent a lot of time celebrating, and that's good. But we're going to dive right into what we're, the sacred cow we're killing today, and that's this. It's the belief that our hearts are desperately wicked. And I'm not talking pre-Jesus. I'm taking po- talking post-Jesus. The, re- the thought and the belief that even though I'm forgiven, even though that I've received grace, even though that I have said yes to Jesus and Jesus has said yes to me, that I still live in a state where my heart is desperately wicked. I used to believe for a long time that the Bible said that the truth shall set you free. You've heard that, right? So I started looking at it a little bit more, and it's not, it's not just the truth that sets you free, because, listen, we live in a time where, give some political examples here, CNN has a truth, and Fox News has a truth, and MSNBC has a truth, and Afternoon Talk Radio has a truth. So what am I saying? Truth? Mm-hmm. Is it true? Eh. Depends on who you ask. It's not the truth that sets you free. The Bible says in John 8, 32, it says, then you will know the truth and the truth shall set you free. So it's the truth you know. It's the truth you know that sets you free. So when Jesus was making this statement, he was specifically talking about what he would teach the world. He said, and then you will know the truth. The truth that you know will set you free. And even after I was saved, I I couldn't shake this feeling and even after I was in ministry school, and even after I was pastoring, I, I couldn't shake this feeling that my heart was desperately wicked. Just lousy. And to simplify for the sake of time, I can say it this way, that I came to the realization that God didn't send his only son to die on the cross for me so I could remain desperately wicked. He, he, didn't, he didn't do all that. So that I could stay exactly where I was. 
so that I could remain exactly where it was. And here's what, here's what he says in Matthew eleven twenty eight. He did it so I could rest. Who needs rest? Just a few of you pray. No, rest in his rescue. I say it all the time, rest in his rescue. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, he says, I will give you rest. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He didn't do all that so I could remain. He did all that so I could rest. Why rest? You ever heard no rest for the wicked? There is rest for the rescued. Congratulations. When you say yes to Jesus, you get rest. Okay? There is no rest for the wicked. I'll take that a little further. There's no rest for the rescued who think they're wicked. I used to sleep like two hours a night because I was so stressed out. I used to have so much anxiety, I'd have to hang my foot off the right side of the bed so I could feel the floor so the room would stop spinning. Why? Because I could not rest. I didn't understand. My focus was on my, my wicked heart and me trying to make it not wicked anymore by what I could do. And then suddenly I read the Bible and it told me that Jesus had finished it. <laughs> and you know what? I sleep pretty good now. Sleep as good as you can with two kids and pregnant wife and, you know. <laughs> well, we're going to move on now. Now, I believe that even though, even though, <laughs> even though I was forgiven, the core of my being was still wicked. I knew I was forgiven, but I still, I still thought, like, I can't overcome this. The inside of me is still bad. And as I strained for pastoral ministry, I, I don't know that it was ever said, and I'm not sure, but it was definitely implied. And, and I was convinced that although I was forgiven, although there was grace, and although his mercies were new every morning, I was still, my heart was still wicked and untrustworthy. And I better watch out for that old man who's living in there, who's going to make his way out any moment. And then I read the Bible, and it said that that's not an old man, that's a dead man. He's not there no more. And God came to make new and life. So I stopped focusing on my wicked heart. Why is it important what, what I believe about my heart? Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If you believe something long enough, if you believe a lie long enough, you believe anything long enough, eventually it becomes a truth. A heart, if I believe that my heart is desperately wicked, I will act in a way to fulfill what I believe. Unintentionally, but it will happen. This is human psychology. and something I call biblical proverbology, okay? As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. It's important what I think about my heart. I said this earlier. Jesus is a greater Savior than you ever imagined. I'm going to say that again because I think it needs to marinate just a little bit in this room. Jesus is a greater Savior than you ever imagined. And here's the reality. When human depravity met heaven's cross, everything changed. Everything changed. It all stopped right there. Do I still get the choice to do dumb things? Yes. Does that affect my salvation? Does that affect things? No, I am saved. 
Does it affect my relationship with you? Yeah, probably it does. That's different. It's okay. But when human depravity met the cross and I said yes to Jesus, everything changed. And the change that happened to me was not only supernatural, it was physical. So let's look at some new covenant truths real quick, and we're going to dive into this. One, regarding this, listen, we're talking about your heart being desperately wicked after you've said yes to Jesus. So don't get me confused here, okay? Don't get, don't get me confused. I don't want you to get confused. If you haven't said yes to Jesus, you need to say yes to Jesus. That, that's where everything changes right there. That's where everything improves. But we're talking, after you say yes to Jesus, here's what, here's what happens. One, God has done something new about your heart problem. Jeremiah 17, 9, this is the Old Testament, says this. This is where this teaching primarily comes from. Is that the heart is more deceitful than anything else, and it is desperately sick, and who can understand it? So I read that, and I say, my heart is desperately wicked. It's deceitful. Who can understand? It's a mess. My heart is all kinds of jacked up, right? And I can sit there and I can believe that. But if we rightly divide Scripture, and if we rightly look at it, we can see that also in, in Isaiah 43, which is also it's, it's in the Old Testament too, but it's talking about something different. I'm going to say something that might bother you a little bit, but we're going to work through it. Um, not everything in the Bible was written to you. It was written for you, but it wasn't written to you necessarily. Not, not everything was. But this, and Isaiah, is in the Old Testament as well, and, and it's talking about Jesus and redemption. It's Isaiah 43, 19 and 25. It says, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. He's doing something new about my heart problem. He's blotting out that mess. Two, God has exchanged his heart for your heart. That's good stuff. He has exchanged his heart for your heart. I had to mess my order there. Ezekiel 36, 25, 27. Incredible scripture. Let's read it. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away and you will no longer worship idols. And here's what he's saying. Here's the promise. Here's the promise. And I will give you a new heart. And I will put a new spirit in you. And I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. He said, I will give you a new heart. Not a heart like you had, but a heart like mine. 1 Corinthians 6.17 says this, but the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him one me and God are like this he's the taller one me and God are like this we are one okay second Peter 1 4 by this he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises say promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature I have a divine nature about me when I walk into a place guess what I got a divine nature about me, okay? Having escaped the corruption that is in this world by lust. So not only do I have a divine nature about me, I've, been, I've escaped, I've been rescued. Jesus was saying, here's the way. Let's go. Let's get out of here. 
And then three, God has made you righteous by giving you Christ's righteous heart. Have the worship team make their way back up. God has made you righteous by giving you Christ's righteous heart. So when I say yes to Jesus, I don't have a wicked heart. I have a righteous heart. When I say yes to Jesus, I'm no longer lost, but I'm found. When I say yes to Jesus, I'm no longer dead, but I'm alive, right? God has made you righteous by giving you Christ's righteous heart. We're going to go through some scripture real quick. We're going to just read through it. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. That oldness ain't in here no more. It's gone. Behold, the new has come. 2 Corinthians 5.21. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Mm. I'm righteous. 1 John 4.17. As he is right now, so are you in this world. As he is right now, so are you in this world. When you say yes to Jesus, as he is, so am I. 2 Corinthians 3.18. As you behold the glory of the Lord, the Holy Spirit in you goes to work, transforming you into the very same image, glory to glory. Stand with me real quick. As you behold the glory of the Lord, the Holy Spirit in you goes to work, transforming you into the very same image, glory to glory. You know, I got to sit in the courtroom, and I've never done this before, and I watched J.D. and Cheyenne take the stand. Did you know that you have to do that? I didn't know that you did this in an adoption, and, and, and I wish I could remember everything you said, J.D., and I wish I had, like, recorded it or something, but I didn't know if that would break the rules. And so they made J.D. take the stand. They asked him basically this question, J.D., well, why do you think, or why do you think you make a good parent or something like that, right, more or less? And, and J.D. said, well, I, I think I can, he said it much more eloquently than I'm going to say it, but he said, I can provide everything that they need. Right? But yeah, I can provide everything they need. You know, as good a dad as J.D. is, and as good a dad as J.D. is going to be, the best that could happen on that day is you change their last name. But when I'm adopted by Christ, he changes everything. My insides, my past, my, my, my future, my present, everything changes. Because he's better than I can imagine. He's great. He's more. We're going to close in just this time of worship, and I want you to focus on that. As you behold the glory of the Lord, the Holy Spirit in you goes to work, transforming you into the very same image, glory to glory. Glory to glory. Let's pray, Father, for every person here, we thank you. God, show us 
what that means to move from glory to glory. Not lateral, but a, but a vertical move. More today. More today. Jesus, we praise you and we worship you. You are an awesome God. An awesome God.